Welcome to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Colley, brought to you by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, here's your host, Patrick Colley. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. At Keystone Elder Law, we aim to, to shield the middle class from the costs and challenges of getting older. And we, we do a lot of free education. I'm Every week I'm offering an online workshop. If you go to keystoneelderlaw.com, one week I'm doing a, a workshop, which you can find through the workshops tab on the website, and it will cover middle-class estate planning and asset protection. I happen to think that the middle-class needs asset protection more than anybody else because there are predictable and and expensive threats that come after the middle class that can wipe out decades of saving and disciplined spending. Learning how to plan ahead for predictable challenges is uh, a real key into it as far as putting together a plan that will work for you, for your family. But of course, this show goes a lot further than just understanding long-term care costs, understanding family dynamic challenges, understanding middle-class tax issues. Uh, I want to I want to introduce a number of resources that people should know about because there are other challenges that even if you have the best legal planning, the best financial strategy, there are going to be health challenges and other challenges that come along. So today we're going to be talking about something that really brings together a lot of the common concerns that I hear from people. What's the the number one goal or concern I hear? I want to stay in my home. I don't care what happens with my health. I want to stay in the last place where I can sort of control my environment. I want my independence. But, you know, there are challenges that, that come up that really kind of put that in jeopardy. If you have a surgery, if you have a bad injury, if you have some sort of unstable medical condition, you might need skilled medical care. Now, there's a couple ways you can get that care. There are skilled nursing facilities all over South Central Pennsylvania, but we're going to talk about another option today that actually keeps you in your home. We're talking about medical home medical health provided right in the home setting. And my guest today is Jessica Zepp with Residential Home Health and Residential Hospice. Jess, thank you for joining me on the Later in Life Planning Show. Thanks so much for having me. Well, you have a wealth of of information to offer. I've heard you speak in other settings, and uh, you just have all of this information at your fingertips. And I'm sure a lot of listeners are already interested when they hear, wait a second, even if my health goes south, I can still get skilled care, whether it's uh, nursing care, whether it's physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, things like that, that can actually be provided in the home setting uh, and that is a big part of what residential home health does. Correct. Um, so for ease of conversation today, we're just going to refer to it as home health instead of the full home health care. But we're going to get into the uh, nuts and bolts of it here to talk about what is home health. And yes, you mentioned that you can receive it in your home. Uh, where is your home? Because home is actually a few different locations, or it can be a few different locations. Um, We're going to talk about the pros and cons of home health, as well as um, how is this all covered. So I think it's going to be a great show. I know most people that I interact with um, in the healthcare industry, uh, whether it's professionals or patients and their families, they want to stay at home. So 
this is a great opportunity to learn about one of those resources that can help keep you at home. Definitely. And so take it away with, let's talk about what home health is, because there is such a thing as non-medical home care. I call it home care or what, what residential provides home health, uh, but, but there's different goals. Correct. So home health, as you indicated, is skilled care. It's provided by licensed medical professionals. So those professionals would be nurses, physical therapists, occupational therapists, and speech therapists. All the services that are provided through home health are prescribed by your primary care provider. Your primary care provider meaning your doctor, a physician assistant, a nurse practitioner. The goal of home health is to be able to be in your own home, so the comfort of your home, to rest, recover, and receive the necessary treatment. So we're treating and hopefully recovering from a a, a specified injury or illness and, and I guess Correct. I guess it helps to contrast this then with what I call home care, non-medical home care, which is more like you you know you and you might need both, right? But getting through your day, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you need help getting dressed, if if you need help having meals prepared, reminders to take uh, medications, just having companionship sometimes. But there are home care agencies out there, and we're we're very fortunate in South Central PA to have some excellent ones. Uh, but but their provide their their goal is different. It's just to deal with those de- activities of daily living. Right, absolutely. So the common denominator between home care and home health is that they're both provided in your home. Other than that, home health is clinical, provided by licensed medical professionals, and as you indicated, home care is usually provided by a personal care aide. So a non-medical professional with focuses on activities of daily living, bathing, dressing, grooming, companionship, transportation, running errands, light housekeeping, light meal prep. So home health and home care can work together to help keep you in your home longer since that's where we all want to be anyway. Right. And it just depends on the needs of the older adult in question and uh, what other resources they might have available. If they have family or friends to help get them through those activities of daily living, then maybe they don't need the home care piece, but they need a skilled medical professional of some sort to come in and provide that physical therapy or the nursing care or the speech therapy. Uh, But why don't you give me some examples of home health? So if residentials out there uh, uh, seeing a patient in the home setting, and I love that you said that can be defined in different ways. We'll get to that in a moment. But mm-hmm. but what are some of the examples of home health care that is being provided? So we can provide home health services um, either from a pre-acute standpoint, so before you end up in the hospital or in a rehab, or from a post-acute standpoint, and the post-acute would mean you just had a hospitalization or a rehab stay. So say, for example, with the uptick of COVID right now, you acquired COVID and you don't want to go to the hospital, your doctor could order home health services so we could have a nurse come in, monitor your vitals, so check how's your breathing, you know, check your lungs, um, look at your medication to make sure that you're on the appropriate medications to manage any symptoms that you might have. 
again, all of this is being done under the guidance of your primary care provider. So we like to say the home health team is the eyes and ears of the provider in the home. So when our clinician, whether it's a nurse or a therapist, is going in, they're monitoring that patient and then communicating back to the provider to say, hey, we saw Mrs. Smith today and this is what happened during our visit. That's a great way to put it, and because this doesn't take the place of your doctor. Correct. In, in fact, your doctor has to start the process by ordering this home health. Right. So all the services that are provided through home health are under the direction of your primary care provider, be it the physician, the physician assistant, the nurse practitioner. So if any medication changes were necessary— the clinician is communicating to the provider to say, hey, this is what we saw today. Do you recommend that we make a medication change? And then that physician can write the order to make a medication change. So um, they're not coming in there and just making decisions without the additional support of your physician. So your physician is in the know of everything that we're doing. And the home health team might be one professional, it might be different professionals, but I assume that's all based on the doctor's order. If you need some sort of therapy, there's going to be a physical or occupational or speech therapist. If you need nursing care, there's going to be a nurse, but that's all driven by the doctor's order? Correct. So different um, illnesses, injuries, ailments are going to require different disciplines. So for example, if I use the COVID example, that's going to be more of a nursing standpoint. Now, COVID, of course, can be very debilitating, especially for our older adults. So they may need physical therapy and occupational therapy as compared to somebody who may have just had a joint replacement, like a knee replacement or a hip replacement. Their primary focus is going to be on that physical therapy and occupational therapy to focus on their ambulation, their ability to transfer, their ability to navigate steps. So based on what a person's illness or injury is, that dictates what services a person will receive. That makes sense. We're speaking today with Jess Zepp with Residential Home Health and Residential Hospice. Their website is residentialhealthcaregroup.com. And this is an option for people who want to stay in their home, even when they may need skilled healthcare professionals to tend one-on-one to them uh, because they are recovering or because they need ongoing treatment. More with Jess Sepp about home health when we come back from a break. You are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580. Now, more of the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. We are back on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I am your host, Patrick Cauley. And my guest today is Jess Zepp from Residential Home Health and Residential Hospice. Their website is residentialhealthcaregroup.com. And, you know, when I meet with clients at Keystone Elder Law, I frequently hear people talking about their spouse or their uh, parent uh, and saying, you know, it's been a struggle. He or she does not want to leave the home, even though there's all kinds of signs that maybe that would be a safer arrangement, or at least there are mounting problems, maybe one problem after another, and they're asking for solutions in the home. And that's what we're talking about today. And we're talking not just about the home care, the non-medical side, where it's 
uh, trained caregivers who are in that line of work because they 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 have a, a passion for helping people get through their day. That's a wonderful service. Today, we're focused on the medical side, the skilled professionals involved, and residential home health is certainly one of the excellent agencies in this area that, that provides exactly that kind of care, where if your doctor orders it, they will provide the they will be as as Jess as you said before the break the eyes and ears of your doctor to uh, hopefully uh, treat to the point of recovery uh, or at least maintain status for someone with uh, an injury or some sort of unstable illness. So we were talking before the break, Jess, about the um, the team involved with home health and and yes. the, the nurses, the physical therapists, the occupational therapists, speech therapists, whatever the doctor determines someone receiving this care in their home might need. Um, but there's there's more to it in when it comes to the educational side and someone maybe coordinating services. So tell tell me a little bit about that. Right. So one of the main focuses of home health, yes, it's the clinicians are providing that clinical care to help you recover, recuperate from whatever illness or injury uh, you might be dealing with. But we also focus a lot on education. So the clinical staff is educating all involved parties. So anybody that might be involved in taking care of the patient, we want to make sure that they know exactly how to take care of that patient. So if we're talking about an older adult, it might be a family member. Um, It might be a paid caregiver. So we want to make sure that they know exactly what they're doing so they can aid in that person's recovery and not accidentally do something that would hurt that person. Because because the assumption here is that the the home health, the clinician, is not going to be there all the time. Correct. There are people helping this older adult through their day, through the night, and when the the physical therapist or the nurse is not there, and that education piece, you know, to hand the baton off until the the clinician is there again is pretty important. Right. So, for example, say mom just had a total knee replacement. So what is the nurse or the physical therapy or occupational therapist, what are they going to educate that caregiver on? They're going to educate on weight-bearing status and as ordered per the physician. They're going to educate on how to best assist with a transfer, whether it's from bed to chair, chair to go use the restroom. They're going to educate on if there's any um, bandage changes that are needed at the surgical site. They're also going to educate on monitoring that surgical site for signs and symptoms of infections. They're going to educate on medication management to help control that person's pain. So a lot of the focus, yes, it's very clinical, but we are educating those caregivers, paid or unpaid, to provide that support to the patient. Because as you said, we are not physically in the home with that person 24-7 um, helping to manage that illness or injury. And and the best skilled care could be undone if not uh, if, if it's not imparted in some way to the people who are going to see this person through the rest of the time. Correct. One of the other key members of the team um, that's not necessarily clinical is a medical social worker. The medical social worker is really going to be that problem solver. 
So I'm sure your clients, your they call you with all kinds of questions. Um, they do. They, <laughs> they go to the social worker with all kinds of questions. Um, and so one of those questions could be, hey, we know that we're supposed to be helping to take care of mom 24-7, but I work full time. Who can help her during the day? Or I need to get some sleep at night. Who can help overnight? So the social worker is going to be vital in helping to connect our patients and families to those key community resources. One such resource being a non-medical home care agency like Visiting Angels or Home Instead. Um, so that's really the role of the social worker in in the home health within the home health team. That is so important because this is it, this is all a foreign language to the spouse or the the ch- the adult child who's going through it for the first time. And and I see this all the time at Keystone Elder Law where uh, health is declining. They 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 consider them, themselves lucky that they even found that there is such a thing as elder law, and they don't right. you know they don't know they often don't know the difference between. Uh, a nursing home, truly skilled nursing care and assisted living. They don't really know that home care or home health exist. And if they do, they don't know the difference. And so, and then there's just, as you and I know, because we we get to, to work hand in hand with uh, a lot of the same partners out there, there are so many resources that can see people through these different dynamics of when you're available, do you have your own family? Are you working uh, you know, kids are more mobile than they ever have been before. Yes. They're living all further away, but they they absolutely want their parent to receive the best care. So there are so many resources. That's and so you're saying residential has a medical social worker as part of the team, just like you wouldn't think about not having the education piece. This right. is just part of the part of the team. That's exactly right. Part of the team. Everything that we do, again, helping to keep those individuals in their home. And I want to touch on that. What does home mean? So home can mean a private residence. Home can be an independent living community. It can be a personal care home or an assisted living facility. Those under Medicare guidelines all are classified as a home status for a patient receiving home health services. A patient is not able to be in a skilled nursing facility or a nursing home and receive home health. And that's for two reasons. One, if a person is in a facility like a nursing home for short-term rehab, they're already going to have access to 24-7 nursing care. They're going to have access to the physical therapy and occupational therapy. Typically, they're receiving therapy five days a week for up to three hours a day. Or the other individuals that reside in a nursing facility are there for long-term care. Or custodial care. So those individuals, it's not safe for them to be in their own home environment anymore for whatever reason, and they need that 24-7 care. So that's why in Pennsylvania, we are not providing home health services um, in nursing facilities. That makes a lot of sense. But if people are... are uh, calling their home an independent level, a living community, that's that's home to them, then why not? Because they, they can also have non-medical home care at that. Right. At that. And, and that's great because it keeps them from going up a level of care or two levels of care to the nursing home setting. They can still say, stay in a homier environment while receiving the assistance and medical care that they need. Absolutely. So, you know, as I think this through, I mean, some of what, what's jumping out at me are 
some maybe pros and cons, or maybe some uh, maybe a better way to put it is this is it really makes a lot of sense for some people, but not others. Correct. So let's let's just focus on the pros, and then we'll take a break and come back and talk about maybe some possible disadvantages. But what are some of the advantages to to having home health? So the first advantage is a financial one. Um, everybody likes to save their money, right? Um, so Medicare will cover home health services at 100%. So when we talked earlier about pre-acute referrals before you end up in the hospital, this could potentially save you a huge hospital bill. Or if you have to go to a rehab, specifically in a nursing facility, we know the cost of nursing facilities these days. It's very high. So again, having home health to help keep you out of that hospital or out of that rehab facility could potentially save you a lot of money. So under Medicare Part A, it's covered at 100%. And I guess the other obvious advantage is that you're in your home. And you're in your home. Because, you know, the, I, I think one knock on on the, uh, they are doing heroic work, but the people in the nursing homes have a whole floor of people who Absolutely. need them in that moment, whereas you're getting one-on-one care. And somebody who sees you and it's a team of people, they're sharing notes, they know your situation, and they're, there's going, going to be a continuity of care, and there's they're there with you, you know. And then, as you said, the education and the handoff to the caregivers who are, will get you through your day. These are all huge advantages. And we are going to go to a break, but we're going to come back and pick up more on the, the pros and cons of home health. But this is a lot of very helpful information on an option a lot of people don't know about. My guest today is Jess Zepp from Residential Home Health and Residential Hospice. Residentialhealthcaregroup.com is their website. We'll be back for more of the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law here on News Radio WHP 580. Welcome back to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Here's Patrick Colley. We are speaking today about home health care, skilled health care providers meeting you where you live and helping you to recover from an injury or to treat an ongoing, perhaps unstable illness that you have. And I'll tell you, when I meet with clients at Keystone Elder Law, it's you know sometimes not clear what level of care is appropriate for people. Now, we might be planning ahead for all of this. We might be uh, plan- doing estate planning with asset protection when everyone's healthy because they don't know, are, you know, am I going to have some acute, sudden illness that takes me to the hospital? Am I going to need long-term care for dementia or because I had a stroke? Um, Home health fits into one of these options, and the level of care may be appropriate where it keeps you in your home and you have uh, the same level of skilled uh, medical professional help uh, that you would have if you went into a facility-based setting. So that's why I really wanted to have this show today with Jessica Zepp, from Residential Home Health and Residential Hospice. Uh, Their website is residentialhealthcaregroup.com. It's a a great website. You'll find lots of resources there. And, you know, we've been talking up to this point about uh, when, what what exactly is home health as opposed to non-medical home care. We were talking just before the break about some of the pros and the cons, or more likely, when is this a really good idea and when maybe it doesn't work. And we'll pick it up there, uh, Jess. You were talking about some of the advantages of home health 
as an option for a level of care where uh, you're going to perhaps avoid a hospital stay or avoid a trip to a skilled nursing home for rehab because you can you can do this in your home. And I, I seem to recall there even being studies showing that the rate of recovery can be better when you're in your home. Absolutely. That was going to be my next thing that I touched upon. Um, faster recuperation and recovery. You're in the comfort of your own home. Um, so many times if people end up in the hospital, they might be hesitant to go home. Um, but let's face it, when you're in the hospital or rehab setting, you have nurses and doctors coming in to see you around the clock. They're coming in and taking your vitals and they're coming in and giving you medication. You're not getting the sleep. And we know that our bodies need sleep to recover. Absolutely. I'm so, glad I'm not the only one. Yes. <laughs> so where can you sleep? Well, at home. So it's a great place to be um, to be recovering from an illness or injury. Did you know that on average, Medicare beneficiaries are seeing seven, seven different physicians at one time? What? I yes. did not know that. That's crazy. That's a lot of physicians. And, and, and that's what? Your primary care physician plus specialists? Correct. Okay. You could be seeing a cardiologist for your heart. You could be seeing um, an oncologist from a, for a cancer diagnosis, a neurologist, so lots of physicians, and they're all giving you information about their specific specialty. Right. They might be giving medication recommendations for that one particular sure. illness or diagnosis, but not looking at the big picture. Right. So what's nice about having the clinician come to your home is the clinician, specifically the nurse would do this, is going to filter all of that information. So say you are seeing seven physicians, filter all that information to make sure that you know exactly what it is that you're supposed to do. You know exactly what medications that you should be taking. They're going to be looking for things like polypharmacy. Are you on four medications treating the same thing? Or are you on medications that might have some drug-to-drug -drug interactions? So being able to take all that information and funnel it down so that you fully understand where you're at and where you want to get to is crucial. Right. And I and I know residential provides hospice services as well and I'm I'm recalling talks I've heard on hospice care and even just treating someone with advancing dementia when they sit, they point out this issue of seeing so many different specialists and you know they're they're sort of you got to have this for your heart. You got to have this for your lungs, your blood pressure, whatever the case may be. And when you start taking people off of a lot of these medications, what do you know? Their their quality of life improves, their cognition improves. It's just a whole different outlook, but you just you you don't you gradually get to this point, I guess, where you're seeing right. so many different doctors and taking so many different medications. Mhm. Mm so one of the other things that is really important from a home health perspective is we're actually listening to the patients and their caregivers on what are their goals, what are their established goals. So not everybody's goals are going to be the same. Some people might have a goal from a walking standpoint that they want to be able to walk within their home without an assisted device like a cane or a walker. Some people might want to be able to walk outside or you know, take their grandkids to the park. So 
as the home health team is creating that care plan, so it's an individualized, very unique care plan with the help of your primary care provider, they're taking into consideration those goals that you have for yourself so that we can focus and make sure that we're doing everything possible to help you meet those goals. And it's measurable. So you, Absolutely. Can, you can see progress. We're getting a little bit closer to leaving the house. We're getting a little bit closer to making it to the park. We're, you know, you, you know, you can, you can actually chart how are we doing. Mm-hmm. And we're talking a lot about, um, from a home health standpoint, recovering from, say, an illness or injury, but we're also talking about individuals that have chronic medical conditions like heart failure, Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, um, COPD. Home health can also help slow the decline of these serious conditions, helping to keep you at your optimal health and optimal level of functioning. Because for some of those chronic illnesses, those are the people that we see that are constantly cycling in and out of the hospital. And they might not get back, if they're constantly in and out of the hospital, they might not get back to their highest level of function. They might gain a little bit, but they never get back to where they were. So that's one of the other roles or one of the other pros really of home health is to help slow down that progression of those serious conditions. That's an important point. And I guess the flip side of that would be one of the cons or disadvantages where maybe this isn't for everybody. And if you've made several cycles where you go to the hospital, you come home, it's a setback for you. You you really do need 24-7 custodial care. You need to be in the nursing home because that's where you're safest uh, and your prognosis is going to be better uh, just because you're going to have people around all the time. I would imagine that's a scenario where maybe home health is not the appropriate solution. Correct. If you're looking at needing that 24-hour supervision or care, um, if you're needing daily assistance with cooking, cleaning, um, and the non-medical home care um, that may already be coming in is still not sufficient, then you're going to be looking at needing a higher level of care like going into a nursing facility or maybe an assisted living or personal care home um, to have those additional supports. Right. So I guess possibly a disadvantage, and we'll go into sort of how do we pay for this. Mm -hmm. That could be, but I mean, keeping in mind that when I see clients at Keystone Elder Law, if we're if we're proactively planning and everybody's healthy and we're sort of imagining what could go wrong in the future, this isn't an issue. But when somebody's in the middle of, yes, my spouse, my parent is having a decline in health, we need to figure out the level of care. Uh, there are certainly pros and cons of, of skilled nursing care going into right. a, a nursing home because, well, number one, it costs $13,000 a month in South Central PA. There is Medicaid, there is long-term care insurance, or you're probably private paying one one of those. And Medicaid is a maze, and you really do need an elder law attorney to do it right and to save money for the family. But, um, you know, so I guess one frustration if you're dealing with home health is, well, you said Medicare will pay 100%, but you have to go by the Medicare Medicare rules. So talk to me about that. So Medicare does cover home health services at a 100%, and they, of course, have their eligibility requirements. So, of course, the person has to be a Medicare beneficiary in order to um, receive our services under Medicare coverage. One of the 
biggest sticking points, though, is what Medicare calls a homebound status. And that can get a little tricky. So what does that actually mean when you are deemed homebound by your home health team? So a homebound status means that a patient's condition prevents them from being able to safely leave the home without assistance from another person or without assistance from an assisted device like a cane, a walker, or a wheelchair, or they're immunocompromised and it's really not safe for them to be out. Sure. So in other words, there's some considerable effort involved. And I think right off of the the government's CMS website, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, you're not disqualified if you go out of your home to your doctor appointment or Correct. to go to church or to the barber or even adult day services. But if it takes considerable effort and assistance, they will consider you homebound uh, right. at that point. So we're going to talk more about how this is covered, the Medicare rules when we come back. You are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580. It's the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. Now your host, Patrick Colley. Today we are speaking about home health, meaning skilled health being healthcare being provided in your home wherever you call home it's an option to keep you at home even if you are recovering from an injury a surgery uh trying to maintain your uh status after maybe some unstable health trying to reach certain goals for your functioning and the quality of life that you have and my guest today is Jessica Zepp from Residential Home Health and Residential Hospice their website is residentialhealthcaregroup.com and Jess, before the breaks, we, we had gotten into who pays for this. And right. the good news is if you are uh, signed up for Medicare, so you have Part A, Part B, uh, maybe you have a Medicare Advantage plan, so it's a private insurer, that you know, you're going to get uh, a lot of this, if not all of it, paid for. There might be some uh, durable medical equipment where you have to cover a percentage of the cost of a wheelchair, walker, oxygen, Correct. Uh, things like that. But um, but there are some rules we have to satisfy, just like when, when I'm speaking with clients about Medicaid to pay for long-term care in a nursing home. There's a lot of hoops we have to jump through, and I try to teach people about that. That's one of the workshops I do. If you go to KeystoneElderLaw.com and use the Workshops tab, I, I, I teach a whole workshop on how will you pay for long-term care. But none of this is covered, so... Please share more information. You were saying you have to be a Medicare beneficiary for home health. There's the homebound requirement, right. meaning it takes considerable effort or, or assistance uh, to leave the home. Not that you're not allowed to leave your home, but but it has to be sort of defined that way. What other hoops do you have to jump through for Medicare to foot the bill for home health. Right. So as long as you're not out there running around, <laughs> going out to dinner every every day, maybe going to play bingo, you satisfy that homebound requirement. We've been mentioning multiple times about the role of your primary care provider in this. Medicare does require what's called a face-to-face visit. So a face-to-face visit is either an in-person visit with your primary care provider, or it can be a telehealth appointment as long as it includes a video. It can't just be a phone call. So that face-to-face visit has to happen within either three months of home health starting or within 30 days after it started. 
So that way we know that a physician has actually physically laid eyes on you as the patient and the physician is going to be assisting the home health agency in creating that care plan. So then Medicare can go back and say, yes, this definitely was ordered by your primary care provider. So we did talk about Medicare. So I do want to briefly touch on Medicare Advantage plans or other commercial insurances and how that works. So the Medicare Advantage plans, of course, they have to follow Medicare guidelines. The piece that's missing is they have to give authorization for services. So say you have a Medicare Advantage plan, like an Aetna plan, for example, what will happen is the home health care team will reach out to the insurance company and say, hey, this is what's going on with Mrs. Smith, and this is the services that her physician has ordered. So if it's nursing, physical therapy, and occupational therapy, the insurance company is going to look at that diagnosis, and they're going to come back to the home health agency and say, okay, Mrs. Smith qualifies for eight visits. But it's up to the home health agency then to determine how those eight visits are used. And do, you've already said there's there's a team here. So do we give it all to the physical therapist? Do we give some to the nurse? When does the so when does the education happen? Right. So you have to cram it all into whatever they're going to pay for. Exactly. So it is kind of a downside because we are at their mercy. But if they say you get eight visits and we have to decide, okay, four of those visits go to nursing, two go to physical therapy, two go to occupational therapy. If a person still needs additional visits, we can always ask the insurance company for more visits. That doesn't mean they have to give it to us. Right. And, and is if they're not going to, does that, I mean, and the person still needs it or wants that extra level of care, more visits, they can pay privately beyond what insurance pays? Absolutely. They can pay privately for services. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's more, it's not so much a downside of home healthcare. It's a downside of how it gets paid for in the system we have. Right. Uh, just as there are downsides to uh, Medicaid, where you have to go broke if you're in the nursing home and hopefully the, uh, you, you save money for the family along the way. The law does allow that. That's, that's where an elder law attorney can be helpful. But, but I imagine that's a, especially your medical social workers, that's a, maybe a constant struggle that they're they're constantly trying to get as many visits as are what they know to be medically appropriate right. and yet it's who knows who's making that decision about what's medically or how many visits they're going to pay for yes so okay. um it's it sometimes gets a little difficult to navigate and it's always important to either advocate for yourself with your insurance company or if you have somebody that you trust who can advocate for you. There are opportunities to do appeals with your insurance companies, but that's a long drawn out process when you want to be focused on your health and your recovery. You don't want to be fighting with an insurance company. And how, let's back up, how do people find a home health agency to begin with? Because uh, there's residential. There, there. I suppose there are some other ones in the area. But, but if people don't know where to look because this is brand new to them, this is a new language they're learning. What are some ways to go about finding an agency and knowing which ones are are right for their circumstances? So, first and foremost, I'd say just ask. Ask your physician if you're in the hospital. Ask your social worker, or case manager, or if you're still in the rehab, ask a social worker, or case manager. Ask your neighbors. Ask people who've had home health services before. I know the uh, Pennsylvania Home Care Association, which is pahomecare.org, 
has a feature called find a provider. And that'll at least give you some names. But I think what you're saying is now you're going to get, you know, once you know the names, you can bounce those names off your physician. You can bounce them off of your neighbors. You can look at Google reviews. Right. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that if you find this information helpful, Keystone Elder Law would love to have a Google review from you. Uh, just Google and, and, and you can leave a review. Uh, but that's, you know, that that's from real people. Right. And they're going to tell you, okay, you found the name through the Home Care Association, but then people will share their real experiences. Yes. And if you absolutely don't know anything about home health, you don't have any idea of the agencies that service us here in South Central PA, you can go on Medicare's website. So that would be medicare.gov forward slash care hyphen compare. And if you just Google Medicare home health compare, it will pull right up where you can actually compare Medicare certified home health agencies. Again, the only agencies you're going to find is if they're Medicare certified, which means they accept Medicare dollars for the services that they provide. And that probably should be what you want. Absolutely. Or else you're paying out of pocket for right. everything. And, right. you know, that doesn't necessarily say something about the quality, but but the whole one of the great advantages here is that Medicare will pay for it. Right. So when you go on to Medicare Home Health Compare, you can actually search um, or you can compare three agencies at any given time. They will give you the patient star rating. So that's based on patient satisfaction surveys. And it'll give you the quality star rating, which is based on information that we have to submit through our charts or our electronic medical records to Medicare. So that's a great way to compare. Also, if there's any agencies that are at risk of losing their Medicare certification, if Medicare is going to be uh, terminating them, so to speak, that information is also public. You can find that on Medicare's website. Medicare. Um, and, and I guess would that happen because of bad outcomes that they're not that they have people going back to the hospital over and over again? Or would it be because they were, I suppose, if they were defrauding Medicare, Correct. there's probably some of those. out yes. there. <laughs> so it could be for a variety of reasons, but oftentimes it is due to fraudulent business practices. Oh, okay. um, but yes, if you have poor enough quality scores and patient satisfaction scores, then maybe you just shouldn't be trying to take care of people. Right. You're not in it for the right reasons right. at that point. Absolutely. So one of the other great resources that is available on the Medicare website is a home health agency checklist, and it has a variety of questions. Um, those questions can be, do they, does this home health agency actually have the services that I need? Are they available the hours that I need them to be based on what the physician has ordered for me. Say, for example, you have wound care and the order says wound care has to be completed three times per week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Is that staff available? Is the staff able to work within any language issues there might be or cultural issues that we need to be aware of? So that's a great way to interview, so to speak, sure. interview different home health agencies. I've had numerous calls from patients and families asking me these direct questions from the checklist. Yeah. And that narrows down your search pretty quickly before you go any further that it, is it even an option. Right. And this has just been a wonderful conversation about skilled care in the home, skilled medical care to, to treat an injury or an illness without having to leave the place you call home. Thank you, Jess Sepp from Residential Thank Home you. Health. 
So I hope you'll join us again next week uh, for another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show. And in the meantime, we have all kinds of resources at KeystoneElderLaw.com. That's KeystoneElderLaw.com, including workshops and articles and videos. We'll listen. We'll have another episode next week at the same time right here on News Radio WHP 580.